Welcome to another episode of Hey Mama. I have my next guest on, which is Susie. Now, Susie is a mama of two, a wife, and she's also the founder of Paradox Dance Studios and Paradox Activewear based in Woolloongabba. So you run this studio with your amazingly talented husband, right? Yeah. Uh, you, as a couple, I know I, I've gotten to know you personally, so um, I just think that you guys are such a dynamic duo. Like this is... This studio has some fantastic dancers um, and styles of dancers. Can you tell me a little bit about what styles you guys uh, run at your studio? Yes, so we have two strands to the business. We have an adult school and a kids school. Uh, The adult school is very much international dance styles. So we do Afro, reggaeton, hip hop, dance hall, salsa, um literally anything that you can imagine that would be danced on the street around the world like what the locals dance in their country um but always cool and young and really modern and relevant um so yeah that's the adult side then the kids side we we like to keep that cultural element alive in the kids side um but we do offer the standard styles that all dance schools offer ballet jazz contemporary But then we have this amazing program, um, this urban program that we offer street dance and hip hop. Um, And within that program, we teach kind of those those styles that we do in in the adult stuff. So the reggaeton, Afro, um, we mix in kind of real fusion styles from around the world, um, as well as teaching them the foundations of hip hop and where that originates from and the history of it. And um, yeah, we, we like pride ourselves on having that really great urban program alongside the style of dance that you need to have to have the technique to be able to be a good dancer. So yeah. we believe that all kids should be able to dance everything. And it's not necessarily about what you love doing or what you don't enjoy. Uh, we try and make each style really fun and have our own flair in, in all of them. Um, so that we can create really well-rounded, educated dancers. And so would you say that that's what your passion is? Because that's what I was going to ask you next. Like why you, um, you know, what, why do you do what you do? Like you and your husband and you've created such an amazing, diverse uh, dance studio like it is so diverse I see every single dance style um, on Instagram and the stories come up and I'm oh my god I want to try that oh my god you know I, I just absolutely love it and you do provide it for everyone I love the fact that you've got the adult component as well as the child component because you know adults still need to dance too they still need to um, express themselves so why would you say you're so passionate about bringing uh, you know the adults and the children's um, dance alive I think when we first arrived in Brisbane we met um we started off with like an elite kids school so um really really talented kids that kind of loved your sims contemporary style mainly Mm. and we felt that they were all kind of a little bit dead inside and kind of didn't like dance anymore had been through these really rigid dance school programs and they'd come out of it like just not wanting to dance they just wanted to stop dancing Um, and these were you know very very good kids so let's say they're probably dancing 15 hours a week or more Um, and you know the mums are quite kind of into them having dance as a career 
but they were finding that they'd lost all their passion. And um, we were seeing that a lot. And we, we, we didn't plan on opening a dance studio. Like it just happened. Um, lots of things fell into place and that's what we've ended up doing. Um, but I feel like we have put it into the way we've done it because we want to keep dance alive in kids and adults like we want them to have really strong training and be excellent dancers be committed and motivated but also be learning what's relevant and what's going on in the world like some of our kids would say like that they've been learning the same routine for the last five years for their concerts every year or, or they like they they're in an Estedford group and they learn the same choreography every single year and it's just not fun anymore you know yeah. um so really that's I think where why how we've got to where we are now like just wanting to keep some passion alive and like when they dance I want to see like joy coming out of them I don't want to see like a load of robots like dancing yeah, yeah. oozing oozing um the yeah. love and the passion and the joy because that's what dancing that's why you start dancing because you yeah. love to move and that's an expression and a storytelling mm -hmm. um I just love that so much so take us back to the beginning were you always a dancer is this this how it came about or you know, as a young child, did you do dancing yourself? Yeah, yeah, I, I was dancing from a very young age. Um, I was doing ballet, jazz, tap, musical theatre, you know, the usual stuff yeah. as a kid in my little village. Um, and I was always a very good dancer. I was never the best in the class my best friend was the best and I was like always wanting to be like as oh, it's always the way isn't it yeah so I was I was I was pretty good um but I yeah I I think when I went back to my dance school um a couple of years ago that the, the the owner of the studio said Susie you were so good at dancing but your mum ruined it for you <laughs> She's like, she never knew the dates and she never knew when you needed a bit of competition. And she, oh, no. so I didn't think I didn't have that commitment, like backing me. Yes, she was my best friend's mum was like the ultimate dance mum. And like, she was involved in everything, you know, that's actually probably really similar to how I mum my kids as well. Like I'm probably the mum that forgets a lot of the things, but um yeah, so I, I danced and I loved dancing. Um, but I suppose a similar thing happened to me as a teenager. I kind of lost my passion for it. And I feel like the teen years are super important. Yes. You either stop dancing and you want to hang out with your friends or you get a boyfriend yep. or you you feel like you have to take it that next step and you have to become like a professional or go to dance school or, or something. So what happened to me, I went to a summer school where I had to stay away from home for a couple of weeks. And I went to this like full time dance school, um, one of the best ones in England. And I How found I did. How old were you then? I you must went... have been around 15, yep. 14 or 15, because it was towards the end of school where you needed to start thinking about like, where you're going to go to college and you know all that kind of stuff so um I went to this this summer school and although I really liked it I kind of realized then that I wasn't probably good enough to be a professional dancer and was I gonna like waste a career move on 
dance being my my choice and that was kind of my like really clear like no I'm not going to be a dancer um you know I love other other things and that in the end I chose fashion and that was kind of the end of dance for me for a really long time um I just kind of stopped there wasn't really another option there wasn't like um it was either you do full-on dance and you do all your exams and you're all all in in England we call a Steadford's festivals so you do all the festivals and you're fully fully in as a teenager or you kind of just stop and so I just stopped and just focused on a career in fashion and then at, at what 26 or something I I refound my love of dancing again within like Latin dance. What made you um, refine your love of dance? I kind of was finding that I was finding social situations really uncomfortable. Um, Like I wouldn't like going out and meeting new people. I didn't like talking to strangers. Um, Yeah, I just was becoming quite an insular person or like you know, just within my friendship circle. And I was working a lot and traveling a lot for work. And I kind of felt like I didn't really have anything that I was working on or, you know, like a hobby, I suppose. Um, So I started, um, I did a New Year's resolution to myself to like put myself into an uncomfortable situation where I had to touch a stranger. I had to like talk to strangers and like what better to do that than having to like dance with someone that you don't know, you know? Yeah. So I joined salsa classes. And um, within that salsa school, they did samba and they did all different Brazilian styles of dance. And I just, after the first class, I just got completely immersed in the whole thing. Like, yeah, before I knew it, I was in Brazil dancing in the, in the, carnival in Rio and I was teaching samba and I became completely obsessed with Latin dance um yeah that's it really I've forgotten the question that you that's okay this is um that's good (laughs) so you are answering the question why do you think um, you started to go a bit uh, like so when you did dancing were you quite the confident kid then you know um did that make you Uh, confident and out there and you weren't worried about meeting people and what happened between you stopping dancing and getting to 26 years old and started to go um internal and uh get I don't know I I wonder whether it's meeting people what do you think happened there I think I became completely immersed in my work I was um the head of a of a big retailer of, of a buying the buying department of a of a big Australian retailer yeah and I think potentially I was just probably working too much, thinking about my career too much. Um, And I suppose I'd moved to Australia and I had a very good group of friends that were only English people. I didn't make any Australian friends. I just was in this little English bubble in Manly. And then I moved to the city and kind of, I think I just kind of put myself in this bubble and then I realized that I didn't like speaking to anyone else outside of that bubble (laughs) not that I didn't like it I just didn't feel comfortable doing it feel comfortable so therefore you didn't like it yeah I think that that's it probably let's um let's talk about the love story Um, everybody loves a good love story how did you and your sim meet 
Yes. So um, thanks to Latin dance, actually, like if I didn't go and do that first South class, I probably never would, would have met him. Um, so once I got fully into this Latin dance scene, like completely immersed myself, I lost a lot of friends because they didn't understand why I was so interested in like, salsa and samba. Why are you going to Brazil to dance in the, you know, like they just didn't get it. And they'd come to my shows and they'd be like, it's good, but like, okay, like weird. Um, so I, I then became even more inside of the, the Latin stuff because my friends couldn't relate to me. So um, I was then teaching and, and I started doing shows like paid shows as a samba dancer in this Brazilian show. Um, so every weekend I do anything from like four to 17 shows a weekend in Sydney, um, just dancing samba. And um, one weekend we were sent to Adelaide to do um, like a, a workshop weekend of, of Latin dance. And so I was going with the director of the school to like teach a workshop and do a performance in the evening. And actually we shouldn't have, been, I shouldn't have got on that plane because the two girls I was going with, who was the owner of the studio, who was going to be running the whole thing, they missed the flight. So I got on the flight alone. She was like, you'll be fine, Susie, just teach the workshop. And I'm going to have to do a solo. And I was like, what the heck? I don't want to do that. Like, I almost did not get on the plane because I was like, there's just no way I can do that and like represent your school as one of your students. It's like ridiculous. So anyway, I got on the plane. I spent the day with the person organizing the program and that night she took us out and we were supposed to go and pick up some dancers from this company called Ballet Revolution which I'd never heard of um they're apparently these like famous Cuban dancers and I was like nah, whatever where's Cuba I was like I didn't even know where Cuba was at that point <laughs> and then um we sat outside the hotel for like 15 minutes and then she was like oh no they they've been dancing they, like they so they were on tour doing shows and they're like oh they've been dancing all day they're too tired they're just gonna stay at home so I was like oh okay so then we went off and had a, an awesome night out and then the next day my teacher finally arrived thank god and she she taught the workshop and we did our show together and then after the show all these gorgeous looking black Cuban guys came into the <laughs> to the room and um <coughs> And uh, the lady of the, the organizing the event, she was like, Susie, come over here and have a picture with the Ballet Revolution boys. And then I was like, ah, oh, these must be the people that we were supposed to go out with last night. Anyway, so then I go over and I stand next to Yasim and my friend stands next to the other boy and we have a photo with them. And um, he was like this little cute guy with this like rat's tail like all the way down to his bum like oh, really yeah he had like two braids that like shaved head hair yes. strange like spiky hair here and these two rat's tails I was like oh he's a cute person I like like how quirky he looks you know um and then just kind of left it there and then we danced all night with all the different people in the event and he asked me for a dance and we'd and then I, I only danced with him for the rest of the night. And we couldn't speak to each other, not one word, because I couldn't speak Spanish and he couldn't speak English. Uh, so the connection and the energy was just there. Yeah, 
it just must have been some kind of energy connection like yeah we just connected with each other instantly it was really strange so then yeah we just danced all night we spent the night together we like tried to communicate with each other through google translate um, <laughs> i would have done that too i would have like downloaded an app or something and yeah <laughs> how can we speak to each other and the funny thing was is the girl I was with who owned the Latin school that I was dancing for she could speak Spanish so she was kind of translating stuff for us as well but it honestly didn't even matter that we couldn't speak to each other we just like wanted to spend time together yeah. and then in the morning I just thought oh I probably won't see him again I'll give him my number and my email address and and then yeah you know like what are the chances really that you're gonna see him again because he was flying to Perth that day to to start the the Perth tour um and then from there he just messaged me as much as he could and I and I you know in I was English like, or yeah I think he was messaging me in English mainly yeah which has kind of been the way it was the whole way through like he would always do the translating I think <laughs> um so then I thought, oh, this guy's quite nice. Maybe I'll try and fly to Perth to like see him again. But I just couldn't make it happen with my job. And I just didn't, we just, we didn't see each other again. We just continued to speak for, for months on, on email. And, but because in Cuba, in when we met, what, 2014 or 15, there wasn't internet in Cuba. So he, he finished his Australian tour. And then he had to go back to Cuba for six months. Um, so at that point, he would just go on the street at like 2 a.m. and try and connect to the Internet, try and speak to me and just really like on and off communication just because of Cuba being difficult. Yeah. Um, There's so a lot of effort to go to too, like to go and find the. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And I never forget him saying to me, um, you know, I spoke to my mom about you and and she said that, you know, if this girl's worth worth it, then you got to learn English. Just try and speak to her. Like wow. you have to do anything you can to like connect with this girl. That's so so yeah, that was that was kind of how it started. And then um, he ended up being so his job basically took him on tour every like I don't know. He'd do like six months in Europe, then three months in Cuba, then three months in. Australasia like you know so basically he was just traveling all the time so the, then his next tour was Europe and I just happened to be in England on a buying trip for work and so then I nipped over to Germany to see him in Germany because I was intrigued by this person who was making so much effort to to speak to me yeah. um, and you know we'd really like got a connection going by then because he he'd been on tour in Europe for a little while which meant that we could speak every single day like all day long every single day um and so when I went to Germany we kind of like he could speak more English he'd been practicing and so we kind of made a different kind of connection in Germany because we could actually have a conversation together um and we were both like oh, I really want to see you again I don't know how but I'm going to see you again. And then he was like, I'm going to pay for you to come to Cuba to meet my family because like you have, to, I, I like you have to meet them. You need to meet my son. He, at then he had what Christopher must have been seven or eight at that point. Um, so yeah, then that happened. 
he booked me flights to Cuba and I went to Cuba to see him and really in Cuba like we fell in love like that's where you fell in love yeah I I was like I tried to push him away at points because I was a bit like this is a bit scary and I don't know how you're ever gonna uh, I don't know how this is ever gonna become anything you know because I'd looked into visa situations and you know Cuban visas are impossible student visa was going to be impossible and I was just like I I really like him but I just have no idea how this is going to be an option yeah um so anyway once once I got to Cuba and I met his family and I saw his life he he's like a lot of Latin guys are dodgy and mess you around and you know I'd been messed around in the past and I was a bit reserved but when I kind of saw that everything he'd ever said was real and honest and the communication had been open between his baby mama and you know everything was open and clean and fresh and there was no drama ever um then I was like okay like I really like him maybe there's some kind of option and um on the last day I was remember sitting on the beach like crying in his arms like oh how are we gonna see each other again you know like so hard um but anyway, from then on, we were like, nah, we're on a mission now. This is this is it. Like, we will be together. And that's kind of how we, we are always. If we have a, an idea or a dream, like between the two of us, we always find a way of making it happen. Um, so what happened then? I went home. I resigned from my... Yeah, went back to Australia. I resigned from my job as head of buying um like the dream job that the dream job in the world you know and I went and opened my um my activewear brand paradox so I the plan was to quit working as a buyer so that I could go and live with him and I would open up the paradox activewear and kind of trade it from wherever I was in the world with him you know so live with him in Cuba yeah yeah so I quit the job. I started Paradox, naively thinking, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, I'm a fashion buyer. I make millions and millions of dollars for these retailers every single day. I can do this for myself. <laughs> uh-uh. Yeah, tell me, tell me about that. <laughs> so basically, I'm a, I'm a brilliant buyer and, and product developer, but I, don't not, I knew nothing about marketing, marketing like zero. Yeah. And marketing is what sells your stuff, you know. So that didn't really work. I mean, it, it's ticked along and I've always had paradoxes like a passion. Um, and that was always going to be like my main thing. But then I met this year and, you know, everything else happened. But um, so I got a job in a cafe working like 4 a.m. till 12 p.m. And then I work on paradox from 12 p.m. until the nighttime. And then I go out and do samba shows just so that I could like work on my own business so that I could have freedom in my life mm-hmm. and save money to go and move to Cuba to be with him um so that's what I did for about five months and then um we booked the flight and um we'd already decided at that point that when we got to Cuba we would get married and um no one knew I th- I, I told my mum and my brother like three weeks before <laughs> like, and how did that go down by the way I'm gonna go to Cuba <laughs> and marry someone that you've never met <laughs> on the other side of the world yeah um (laughs) do you know what they they were amazing 
I think that they they believe in my judgment always. Like if I feel like something's right, they're like, you know, you don't, you haven't made any stupid decisions in your life so far. Like we we trust in your judgment, and whatever happens, we're here for you. You know, like super unbelievable. Thank God. Beautiful family. So um, yeah, that's what we did. I moved to Cuba. We had the biggest mission trying to get married. It was like the most stressful thing in the world. Um, all of the papers that we'd arranged were wrong and the Cubans didn't want to help. They basically didn't want to help him marry a tourist so that he could leave Cuba. You yeah. know, that, that's what it boils down to in the end. Um, anyway, the English embassy sorted everything out for us and we managed to get married. And um, that was September 2015. And no, 16. And then from there, we... Um, we went to go and live in England with my parents for six months uh, while we were waiting for his visa for Australia to be approved. And um, so we spent six months in England and then we moved to Brisbane because I got a job here. Otherwise, we were planning on going back to Sydney, but we ended up in Brisbane just by chance of get me getting a job and being like, yeah. that's a great opportunity. Let's just go there. And yeah. so we, we, we came to Brisbane um, with not one friend, about $1,000 and that's it oh my goodness and then we started our life here so yeah that's kind of it's quite a long story but that's basically what happened and you have two babies now now we have two babies basically a month after arriving in Brisbane I got pregnant with Rumi yeah yeah because that, that's that's how life happens we were like oh god like he can't drive he's still really like his English was still like really like learning at that point um but we'd found ourselves in this situation and and we had to find a way to make it work you know yeah. I couldn't be a fashion buyer with a kid because you have to travel so much so we were like what what can we do now to like earn money and so he started teaching you know like random dance classes we just hire a little space which is actually our studio now we hired that by the hour we started to hire before yeah. you had the other one in western yeah. yeah yeah so we did like just one-off classes in like cuban styles um and uh, he became really popular and yeah we just went from there and so tell me about when you're pregnant with your first bubba mm-hmm. and started teaching and then were you teaching as well or <clears throat> Right. Um, I was working up until what a couple of weeks before she was born. So I was still buying at that point. And then I was just kind of already like at that point, I was kind of managing his classes and like arranging classes and marketing the classes. So I was always already kind of doing the role that I am now yeah. uh, without realizing where it was going to lead to. Um, you would have just been like in the mind frame of I'm helping him. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I knew that Yasim needed to dance. Like, he's amazing, but he's a dancer and that's it. He's a professional artist. He needs that. He needs music and dance and theatre and stage and that's what he needs in his life. So I was like, you know, I need a need for him to be happy in what he's doing here, you know, because yeah. I, I, I had taken him away from 
the best job in Cuba, you know, like touring the world. He was dancing in the opera house. He was dancing for the queen in England. You know, he was that at that level. And I always kind of thought, oh God, you know, I've taken him away from this amazing job. But, you know, that was me. But actually on his point of view, he was like, no, I was ready for that. It's an exhausting life, you know? Yeah. And we both knew he needed to dance. He needed to continue to dance in some way. So that was the way of, of keeping it going, you know, and he was doing performances in different festivals and things like that. And, you know, from that point on, we were always together. We never, ever did anything separately. The dynamic duo. Indeed. In the beginning of the conversation. And I love the fact that you you knew your roles, you know, like that's something that Pete and I struggled with um, from very early on. We tried to do everything, both of us, rather than learning the roles of which to play, like the strengths and the weaknesses. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's what makes you such a strong couple as well is, you know, you, you know where you fit into the business and then he knows where he, what he does, what his job is. Yeah. I mean, we have clashed Mm -hmm. over that. Like we definitely have like, um, uh, like I've tried to overmanage his dance and like, you know, question decisions he's made about music or choreographies or teams or the way he's handled a team or, and I've, I've, I've learned over time that he, knows himself more than anyone in the world and um he will always make the right decision and and I've learned to trust him with that now yeah. um but yeah it's, it's always kind of been a very like you do this and I do this and I think if I was um more if if I had have been a professional dancer and he and he a professional dancer then it would be completely different but because I've always you know been in business and managed businesses and it's it was like a a very smooth like you're running the business and you're the star of the show and yeah that's yeah. always just worked for us yeah. yeah and um so you had little Rumi yeah Rumi yeah. and um and how did that go like for you <clears throat> did you adjust to new motherhood um easily was there some challenges there like you you didn't really know anyone in here you had neither of you had family or did you have you had family here I have a brother I had my brother was living in Sydney at that point so he might as well have not been not been in the same country yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) that's right in Australia that's what it is (laughs) yeah yeah I mean with with Rue um from the beginning like I was in the studio with her like nine months pregnant ready to pop um we we always had her everywhere so when she was born we were still doing casual classes hiring out random places um but we'd become very popular in the reggaeton side like um no no one taught reggaeton in Brisbane um and you know I was like your sim's amazing at that so let's start reggaeton classes so we started teaching reggaeton at mad dance house and so he became really really popular there um so then we started to get more of a following in different styles and people started to see oh he's not just a contemporary or afro-cuban or he does urban stuff so we started afro beat and dance hall and you know all the different all the different styles and then um one of the one of the buildings we were renting um he came to us and he was like I can't afford the rent 
um, do you want to take on this room? It was just one, one studio. But at, at this point, Rumi was three months old. So I was like a very new mum with no support. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's take on a dance studio. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Um, but we kind of saw an opportunity and there was no way I was going back to work and we were like let's just try and make this work so we took on this building it was this it was in the back of an African drum shop so you'd walk in through this like drum shop with like all these African masks everywhere it was quite a daunting place to walk into and we basically raised Rumi in there she she from from the moment we opened our doors she was down here on the reception desk in her bouncer three months old yeah. bouncing along to the music yeah. uh, and so we went from having like maybe three of our own classes a week to Monday to Friday um you know six till 9 p.m and Yasin was teaching everything every single class and we were just there all day every day with him in the studio yeah. with one person in the class then turned to like 25 people in the class and then the, the building was full and we couldn't fit any more people in. Um, so yeah, she just spent her whole life, her whole first year in the studio with us and we never changed anything for her. Like um, some parents find it really helpful to have a very big routine and, you know, they really structure their life around the child, whereas we were like the complete opposite. Yeah. Um, she did whatever we did. She slept whenever she wanted. Um, we did everything we could to make it comfortable for her. Um, and she slotted in perfectly to that life. Like, you know, she just loved being in the studio. She loved the music. Um, and you can see that in her now that that's how she was like from, from being in my tummy inside his classes to being the first year of her life in a studio her comfort like she would seriously come out and yeah I could see that because I yeah. know even Logie would sleep better if we were at the gym yeah it, yeah it's the movement it's the sounds it's the smells it's yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah they just adapt to it you know like a mum who who you know focuses her life around home the baby adapts to that and then they can struggle yeah. to sleep outside of the house or exactly yeah so, Thank God Rue was really, really adaptable with that. Um, if she had if she if she wasn't, we wouldn't be where we are now. Like we would have had to have stopped for, for her. So I'm so glad that she was good. I did struggle like um a lot with with anxiety, hugely, um, taking on that building as a new mum was like probably a little bit of a mistake for my mental health. Yes. Just and like yeah, with your anxiety, what was causing or what, what do you think uh, or what triggered it? I think it was financial. I still don't really know like where my anxiety comes from. I think that it I think that it's financial security and worrying that we're not going to have enough money. Um, like also like I, I didn't feel like this as much in the beginning, but like being judged as a mum for having my baby there. Yeah, okay. I didn't know anybody then to to care if they were judging me. I couldn't care less. But now, now people know us and watch our family a lot. Now I get kind of mum guilt about, you know, the lifestyle that my kids have. Um, but yeah, I think initially the anxiety was all financial um, because we didn't have any other income. Like we had to make the studio work. 
it yeah. wasn't an option like it just wasn't an option um and I think that's mainly where it came f- came from for me and kind of like because the business happened as a bit of a mistake it was a bit like we didn't really have a business plan it just evolved and so we were kind of like floundering around trying to work out like what are we doing like what is our goal you know all of that kind like of like a stuff. single swim kind of thing though it's like if you get thrown in the water that's what you've been you've been thrown in the water you've been thrown in the deep end and you've got a choice to either sink or swim and you kind of don't have a choice because you have a family so you mm-hmm. have to swim yeah, yeah. so 100 percent, that's where the anxiety comes from yeah. um i feel like after um the first year of having the studio was like severe anxiety like I would wake up and I'd be like I don't know how to get through the day like I don't know what job even to do next yeah Um, yeah it was so bad I ended up doing a natural path um to try and work out so if there was something holistically I could do because I'm not one for you know medication or anything like that mm-hmm. um but nothing really helped nothing helped uh I feel like the only thing that's ever helped is like success like becoming successful and financially stable um and Rumi growing up and you know being less demanding in like you know I was breastfeeding her in the mm-hmm. corner of the studio yeah. while people are all there like dancing you know like my my motherhood journey was the most open <laughs> thing for everyone to see, you know. Um, so I think her growing up and becoming easier to handle, you know, all and of that. Just, kind of but stuff. what made you? So some people would crumble with that, right? So some people would sink, um, and they would uh, sort of essentially give up or not be able to. If you couldn't, you woke up and you thought, I don't know how I'm going to go through the day. What made you still go through the day? I think probably like our end goal like like by that point we knew we wanted to have a studio we knew we wanted to have an entertainment company we knew we wanted my brand to be like the forefront of the the business I think like the ultimate dream kept us keeps us going even now Um, we know what we want to achieve and like we just got to do it yeah. I literally I cut if I've got a bad day I, I can't sit on the sofa and and like lull in my anxiety I just have to push through it and that's literally what I do yeah I so, might achieve 50% less but I still will achieve something in the day even though I'm feeling you know I'm having that's a bad what I was going to ask you like do you ever take when you're having that um a bad day or the anxiety or brain fog and all that kind of thing do you ever take listen to that and take some time out or or you like you said set yourself one task to do that day um or the bare minimum like what is your strategy yeah exactly that i i never would sit on the sofa and stop because then i would go into deeper guilt of oh i'm not doing anything i like i haven't achieved anything today like I will achieve something you know might not be very much but I'll try and push through and achieve something and I'm seeing that more now um like I've I've been not feeling very very well recently and I've had two days where I've I've physically had to just go to bed like I'm like really I'm feeling really sick and I can't not but I think then I just could go to sleep because I was feeling terrible like 
illness wise yeah it's an anxiety day I'll never I'll never go and get in bed and hide under a pillow yeah yeah so I think um like your body will tell you if you don't actually stop your body will force you to stop and I have those moments as well where I'll go and go and go and feel really great and just keep pushing through and then your body will just crash you down to force you to rest and I think the exact you're wired the exact same way yeah Um, so the sickness will actually manifest for you to go right you need a break and then you upgrade and you'll probably come out from that and you'll be able to think more clearly and you'll be able to go on and go okay we've got to do this this and this and you know I want to I want to um, get out to the audience that you have just literally had um, in the last year less than a year you've had a studio flood uh, and then you had to rebuild and renovate another studio so yeah of course you're going to have those days where you're going to have to have to rest (laughs) yeah it's been an intense year that's for sure yeah well an intense like intense six years I was trying to count up like how yeah it's been a roller coaster um since I met your sim life has been a roller coaster but one (laughs) yeah I was gonna say would you have it any other way though no, I would change some of the disasters that's happened that is out of our control. Yeah. But, you know, like all of these things are sent to, to test us and to teach us different things. And like we definitely have learned that in the last couple of years. Yeah. And you and in the midst of this, you have had a second child, too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we had Arlo in... January 2000 and oh my god I don't even know <laughs> last year <laughs> and and he's a completely different baby so Rue was easy and and fitted into our world um Arlo spent the first three months of his life screaming from 4 p.m until 7 p.m which is like my peak uh time time where I need to be in studio so for him we had to completely like adapt differently yeah how did you handle that well luckily then we were living in West End and we lived opposite the studio so you know I could just walk home and be at home with him if I needed to and and you know the business was successful enough that I had staff working there it was a completely different ball game to um when Rue was there when it was just me and your sim you know now we've got what I don't know 15 teachers and and two admin people that help us with everything wow so um a team a team is so important and Mm -hmm. even even now it's probably still I probably still need a few more people had more team yeah but he he's 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 awesome he's uh as he's got older in the last couple of months he's kind of slots into the new studio quite well because now I know the building I know where he can be and where he can be safe and I've got a room upstairs with a living room and a cot and an office and a tv you know I can hide up there if I need to um like we we've just basically created what we need for our family to survive in what 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 we're doing because obviously we now have to rebuild the business completely um but there was a time there where it was a nightmare because we didn't have a studio we lived in the gold coast the business was in brisbane and we had this one-year-old baby that had nowhere to go like he would just be running around the 
the students' feet while they're trying to dance and I'm there trying to chase him down and 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 then the anxiety came back. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah, massively came back. What I think um, our audience will really get out of in this conversation that we've had today, and I pull a card. So I pull a card um, on every conversation that I'm about to have. I ask, um, you know, the angels, what's the message for me? What's the message for my guest? And what's the message for the audience? Um, And today it was a very clear truth. Uh-huh. That was the that was the card for today, and I think that the um, the message here uh, that we're going to get across to this to the mums out here is that that nothing is um, nothing is easy and rosy when you're trying to achieve something, and when you are so driven and have like these amazing goals, these big goals. Um, there's a lot of little uh, cracks and hiccups and challenges and beatdowns. Uh, that happen along the way like people might view you as oh you're so successful oh you've got this amazing dance studio and life must be just so um, peachy keen to be so successful but I love to listen to your journey on how you actually got there yeah yeah definitely and the yeah the tears the blood sweat and tears yeah yeah Yeah, nothing ever comes easy and it's still like a daily fight you know um but you just got to remember the end goal. Yeah, yeah. And just keep like climbing up that hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then a rock hits you in the head. And then, like, <laughs> and you yeah. <laughs> There's great pictures out there on memes and stuff of, um, you know, actual overnight success is like a lot of this. It's not yeah, a, just yeah, overnight yeah. success. Yeah. Uh, so I want to thank you for being so open um, about about your life and about this subject and about the the journey that you guys have been on in your business. And I just love it. I'm I'm in awe. There's no judgment from me that your children hang out at the dance studio <laughs> all the time. I was a dancer as a child and I absolutely loved it. And I can relate to so much that you say about um, you know when you get to teenagehood. It's either you quit and you, you know, focus on your social life or you go forth and, you know, you really commit to um, the dancing, um, you know, the dancing career. And I was that teenager that was missing out. I thought I was missing out on socializing. And so I quit and I always was mad at my mum for allowing me to quit. Yeah. At that time. And exactly. With Miri, um, you know, I put like I, I might push her a bit. Like I don't really have to push her a lot, but you know, I know that this time is so so crucial. That at teenage years, they need that hobby, they need that discipline, that commitment, the yeah. you know, keeping them busy, keeping them out of trouble, all that kind of thing. So yeah, I can um, totally relate with with a lot with what you're saying and the grinding as well. And yeah, my kids grew up in the gym, and you know, and and if you Think of it like this, you would much rather them grow up in a gym or a dance studio and have that healthy habit than growing up around an alcoholic or growing up in the pub and or other damaging, um, unhealthy habits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I hope we can, um, we can, I really, really would love to create like a space for teenage kids to like continue to dance yeah like they don't need to have that break at 15 yeah they can carry on all the way through till 55 you know yeah 
yeah or, definitely. you know like have a space where they can come and hang out with their friends and I don't yeah. even care if you're dancing come and sit in my kitchen and hang out like yeah you know, that's I what I really like I really like it yeah I really like it too and I love what you're doing so um keep doing it thank you oh, you're welcome for listening to another episode of hey mama you can find all the relevant links including socials in the description section of this podcast if you want to find out more information about how i can help you build your best body after babies then visit my website www.thefitmummethod.com for more info lastly before you leave here today if you've enjoyed listening then please subscribe and share so you can help me to reach out to those mamas that also need to listen too